Right. So it's recording because it, it says it's recording. It's terribly exciting um, because uh, meeting Charles Hazelwood for the first time, the last time I saw you, you were sat on a step outside the Royal Albert Hall looking at your script. Do you remember that, Charles? I think I do, yes. Yes, it's one of those little moments. I think I might possibly have said something a little bit stalkerish like, if you see the video, I'm terribly sorry, it was a joke. Absolutely. And then I remember I then tried to watch the video several times and my phone wouldn't compute it, so it took a while to uh, Oh, OK. Well, I'll video. just put it on DVD for you and then you can look at it. And, <laughs> I'd be grateful. And, but, you know, it's, it's great to see you and great to talk to you. Look, the thing is, you've got a bit of a, you've got a, bit of a rough gig this evening, haven't you? You've got, like... Hours of conducting to do. Well, it is a bit of a um, yeah, a bit of a workout because you know we did the Weber Freischutz Overture in the main concert, um, and then of course we played the Scottish Symphony of Mendelssohn, which is a massive thing. You know, it's a totally draining thing to bring off. It's one of those things that you know, I mean, it's very it's fiercely descriptive music, and yet it's it's abstractly descriptive. So you have to kind of point up the descriptiveness to a certain degree, but if you go beyond that certain degree, you sort of trash it. The thing for me is it's, it's labelled the Scottish Symphony and I think I've just got this idea that as soon as somebody says it's the Scottish Symphony then that sets the picture in the head so it doesn't to a certain extent it doesn't really matter what Mendelssohn wrote. Yeah I think that's probably true I mean in a way maybe labels of this sort are less useful than they are useful if you see what I mean yeah. that actually in a way the best music making or the best for me the best kind of as it were consumption of music is that environment where you listen to a piece of music and you paint your own picture internally whilst you listen that's one way you engage with it of course you do there's some kind of um, narrative abstract or specific which you might append to a piece of music you're listening to so in a way as soon as someone says this is called the x symphony then you start thinking about x which is already quite limiting did Mendelssohn give it that label i don't know yeah i think he did right so very yeah, happy. Actually, he, he described it you know this is my scottish symphony right so, so it's, he was just selling it I guess he's just selling it. Well, you know, people were very into Scottish things. I mean, it's it's hard to overestimate how much people were enthralled to Walter Scott novels, you know, and the and poetry of people like Percy, border ballads, that kind of thing. And, of course, so-called folk music. I mean, Haydn cashed in on it, you know, a generation or two earlier when he came to England as a, you know, a, 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 a sort of a, this incredible sort of world-beating composer. Um, and, you know, he, he sees upon it as a great moneymaker that he would just, you know, he would write in large inverted commas, he would write Scottish folk music and he sold it by the, you know, by the thousand. Have you heard the Scottish Symphony in Scotland? No, I've never played it in Scotland and I've never heard it in Scotland. Because I just, I just wonder whether it's the same thing uh, or similar to uh, the sea interludes, Britain's sea interludes. When, when you hear the sea interludes in Oldborough, it's like, it makes perfect sense. Yes, yes got it. But I just wonder whether it sounds different. Well, I think it probably would. And look, hey, in a funny way, I mean, I can think of nothing more wondrous than doing a performance of the Scottish Symphony in the ruins of the chapel by Holyrood Palace. I mean, that make, would be astonishing. Make it happen. Make okay, it happen. okay, okay. So uh, the other thing that struck me was that you were, okay, in the Mendelssohn, you were conducting with the score. I don't want to be in any way disrespectful, but it strikes me that the people who work the hardest, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, the people who work the hardest on the stage are the players. Right. So consequently... When you turn around and take a bow, what are you thinking? Oh, well, I'm thinking I'm bowing on behalf of all these people, which is right. why if you watch me, though, I will never, ever, ever take a bow in any gig anywhere in the world without having stood the orchestra first. So if I bow at all, it's in order to say, we thank you. Is it slightly uncomfortable? Cause oh, yeah, very often, which is very often, like tonight I did a bit, you know, I will stand the orchestra up and I will stand facing them for a while so that it is really, really clear that this is who we're applauding. Yes. The, this is the engine of this whole thing. Yes, you know? and, but, but it has to be said, obviously, you put a great deal of work into it, well done, you know, 
Are you pleased? Yeah, no, I, I had an absolute ball. I mean, they're absolutely outrageously good orchestra, this. You know, in, in every respect, you can't fault them. I mean, that they're playing qualities are astonishing. The fact that they're working on these old instruments, which, let's face it, don't work quite as easily or as smoothly as their modern counterparts. And in a way, I think it's probably true to say that period instrumentalists, they have to put a bit more of themselves into what they do because the instruments just don't work as well. So, you know, God, from that point of view, also that perhaps because of this extra investment of energy and commitment they have to make, every rehearsal with an orchestra like this is like an adventure. It's like an odyssey. It's like, where are we going today? Now, there are certain more institutionalised orchestras around the world for whom that is not their over, overarching attitude, shall we say. That must make it fun for you. Oh, it's a huge, it's, it's, it's a great big shot in the arm, yeah. Uh, so what does Charles Hazelwood do next? What does Charles Hazelwood do tomorrow morning? Uh, tomorrow morning I have got to go and um, give a talk on a, a thing called I've devised called Six Degrees of Separation. What do J.S. Bach and the Prodigy have in common? So oh, basically Lord. what I prove in the course of an hour through five other desperate pieces of music, from a Bach invention to a, um, a piece called Rat Poison by the Prodigy, you know, techno-terrorism, okay. crazy music. Through five other steps, I will show the complete common ground between these two seemingly very disparate sort of poles apart okay. musics. So that's tomorrow, just for okay. a bit of fun, really. Then I've got a weekend off, and then uh, next week I'm off to Scandinavia to do some gigs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go home to Lewisham now. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, it's been lovely. Thank you very much. Great um, pleasure. Great. Let's just get rid of the text message my other half has sent me <laughs> in the middle of...